This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This is Chester Moore, Editor-in-Chief of Texas Fish and Game, the founder of Higher Calling Wildlife, Higher Calling Gulf Coast Ministry Outreach and Podcast, and a bunch of other cool outdoor stuff. And you're listening to my good friend Derek York and the Impact Outdoors Podcast. One of my favorite memories is I would uh, sit in my dad's lap. We would make scrapbooks from outdoor life sports and field, field and stream of all of our dream hunting and fishing and like wildlife excursion trips. And I still have some of those scrapbooks, man. And uh, we'd place the pictures in there and, and sit there and talk for hours about how I want to go hunt a bighorn sheep one day or how I want to go catch a bonefish or, or whatever. And, you know, and then, you know, my dad, in, in, instilled in me the the idea of just taking what you need you know uh and stuff like that because my dad would sit there and pet a deer at the camp that walk around camp that was the best one of the best deer hunters i knew you know so it was that side of it and then like i saw jaws and jaws made me want to get in the water like i wanted to go see jaws and 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 somehow i ended up this weird hybrid of captain quint and the richard dreyfus character mr hooper you know, uh, and so it was all those things together and just loving nature. Coming up on this episode of Impact Outdoors podcast, I finally got the chance to sit down and interview one of my best friends down here in Texas, the one and only Mr. Chester Moore. And uh, Chester is a, a jack of all trades in the outdoor world, man. He is a photographer, a writer, an author. Um, a hunter, conservationist, just does everything you can imagine and um, is just down to the earth and just been somebody I've really looked up to since I've been living down here in Texas the past nearly 20 years and and I'm so glad to be able to call him a friend and, uh, and a hunting buddy and um, really been looking forward to finally to getting this down and recorded for everybody to listen to so we had a great time uh, recorded this over at iCast this summer and uh, talked about all kinds of stuff on this episode so stay tuned for a great episode and conversation here with my friend mr chester moore 
Man, I am so excited for this episode. This has been a long time coming, my friend. Yeah, man. I've got my good friend, no, my great friend, Chester Moore, on Impact Outdoors, finally, with me today. We're always by each other at all these shows, and I don't know how the heck we've never gotten this done, but uh, I was like, can you do it tonight? Yes, I can. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, and you know, Derek's a great friend, and I love his podcast, and it's... uh, it's an honor and privilege to be here. It's funny, though, because we're literally together all the time at these things, but we're going our different directions, yep. you know? But that means we're being productive, so there we go. Yes, it's definitely been a whirlwind the past year, I guess. Yeah, and uh, we've, we've done we've done some a lot of work together, and uh, um, you are a busy individual. And I, I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, I've, and you probably don't even remember, but... Um, I first met you um, right after I started working at Parks and Wildlife at Flat Out Fishing in Lake Jackson, Freeport area. I was debating whether it was Flat Out Fishing or the last Texas Wildlife Expo, but it was Flat Out Fishing. It was Flat Out Fishing. Yeah. Because uh, I got a book I bought from Lisa that day and mm-hmm. had you sign, and I just thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I was new down here and, mm-hmm. and uh, really just trying to gain as much knowledge and insight about the area as I could. And uh, you seem like a pretty smart guy. And, uh, Relatively. You know, I was like, oh, the man, moment. he's got all these books. And it's like, this guy's got to know everything. And uh, I, so <laughs> I still got that book sitting on my desk at home. Oh, cool. So, um, but um, it's been an honor getting to know you over the last, you know, probably three years yeah, or so, three, a years. lot more, mm-hmm. and uh, doing some stuff together. And uh, we've got a lot of the same passions. Sure, man. So, um, well, I've got a lot of things I want to ask you. But, uh Uh-oh. <clears throat> I guess before we dive into that, you know, give us an update. What are you doing right now before we jump into the life story of Chester Moore? Well, we're here at the ICAST show. So Correct. I'm working on behalf of Texas Fishing Game mainly here. We're making a lot of meetings, business meetings, advertising things, talking about editorial content. Also networking for various stuff. Um, I've been working a lot on my – I have a radio show I've been doing for 22 years. I started when I was three is what I tell people. Uh <laughs> And it's so true. still doing that. But the podcasting, Higher Calling Wildlife, Higher Calling Gulf Coast, doing better, really well. And uh, been trying to really focus on those really in-depth interviews. Like I just saw you doing one with Mark Davis right here, you know, yep. those really in-depth interviews. Uh, but my real heart is conservation kids in Christ. And um, so our ministry, the love of Christ, the herding kids through wildlife encounters. And we're working with our programs where we're granting wildlife encounters to kids that have a terminal illness, loss of a parent or a sibling. Then 130 of those encounters, we said 130th, we'll probably be at 150 by the end of the year. Um, That's a huge amount of our time. We're also training kids in the higher calling part of that ministry to become wildlife conservationists. So we created a publication for that. Uh, We're integrating some things like that. So that and being a dad and a husband and all that stuff and uh, serving in church on Wednesday nights and trying to squeeze in some fishing every once in a while and turkey hunting and Keeps me pretty busy. Yeah. Yeah, you've been able to sneak in a little bit of fishing lately. I've seen you Love, post dude. some pictures. I've been fishing, yeah. So yeah. I've seen you got a peacock bass while in you were over here in Florida the other day. In Miami. Yeah. <laughs> across we got from, those in Texas. Across from a landfill. <laughs> the ditch at my house is a gully called the gully that I fished. You know, uh, it's, I drive by it every day, and the rock star fish was a grinnel, right? A bowfin. Mm. Uh, you catch yellow cats, I mean, I mean mud cats. And every once in a while, you would catch a little, like, short-nosed gar. There are peacock bass in the ditch over here. And then I saw, like, a four-foot-long, it seemed like four-foot-long, three-foot-long snook in the same ditch. Nice. So it's not fair. They got better ditches. (laughs) 
<laughs> they look better too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, one plus is you can actually see into them for the most that's part. The, I was sight so. fishing the peacock bass with a fly rod. Yeah. I mean, you, that's that's amazing stuff, man. Yeah, you know? yeah. It was a uh, real interesting for us because we always plan our iCast trip. It was, it's a road trip, yeah. and there's usually two or three of us coming over and. Um, we usually drive halfway, stay the night. May or may not be at a casino in in the Mississippi. But, I hear you, but uh, that's the rumor. And uh, um, we always try to come over and fish the day before mm-hmm. the show starts, mm-hmm. usually on Tuesday. And so everything that happened in Tampa Bay this this last month or so with the red tide, you know, we always fish in Tampa with a buddy of mine, Chris Camps, who's been on the show. And um, I called him. And I was like, Hey, you know, I booked the trip. He knows we book the same day every year, and um, I was like, "Hey, man, what do you what do you think it's gonna be like?" And he's like, "Well, it's gonna be tough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I know where some clean water's at that hasn't been affected as much, and so we didn't really know what to expect. You know, yeah. He's like, "You never know. We could come around the corner tomorrow, and mm-hmm. with this red tide, you know, with the currents and everything, you just don't know where it's gonna pop up next." But um, lo and behold, we had an awesome trip. I saw we, some uh, snook we pictures. We caught some snook. We caught a tarpon and got it to the boat yes and i don't know it's either a blessing or a curse because we caught that tarpon my buddy chris caught that tarpon on the very first cast and we were hooked up to that tarpon within 30 seconds of stopping the boat wow you know and uh we didn't hook another tarpon but we got that one <laughs> so somebody was watching out for us and uh, go, um, that was cool and i i told myself he's like we don't need hook another one this is gonna be awesome yeah you know sure. see that fish touch it and that's go. that's amazing man so and we've seen so many fish it was refreshing seeing everything that's been on the news you never know what to believe but we've seen a lot of nice healthy tarpon redfish lots of snook so well, you that's, know that's resilient that's good to see because i've been monitoring the florida situation um I was in Biscayne Bay the day, a couple of days before you were over there. If you don't know what that is, it's right Miami, Key Biscayne, bringing mm-hmm. the keys. And I was fishing for permit. Uh, it was high, real intense winds. It was hard to see, you know, in that. But uh, saw a few permit, caught a monster barracuda on a medium heavy spinning rod, like a four and a half foot long barracuda, which was amazing. Uh, but, you know, that that hasn't really been impacted by these kills, so that was good yeah. to see that you know because I was because I heard some rumors about around Miami, but so far so good around there. Yeah, yeah, that's good to hear. So yeah, red tide. We haven't had a bad one in Texas for quite a while. Been a while, yeah. Yeah, so knock on knock on wood. That's you what know, I'm talking. I'll double knock over here. Yeah, <laughs> don't want it, but uh, it's always there. It just depends on when it decides to mm-hmm. explode. So, um, but yeah, so it's been uh, been a busy week. And uh, we got the last day of ICAST tomorrow, and we'll be heading heading home. So back to Texas. But uh, you know, you've uh, you you kind of preluded earlier. He's like, you've been doing this since you were three years old. And and um, <laughs> what was it like growing up as a kid for you? I mean, I know your dad was just such a huge inspiration yeah, to everything sure. you've done. Mm-hmm. And uh, tell us a little bit about that and, and kind of how mm-hmm. how he helped form and, and other mentors you've had along the way because yeah. I mean, you are definitely into this, man, for the right reasons, and it's refreshing to see that. Well, I appreciate that, man. <laughs> I was, so I'm 47 and uh, grew up in the late 70s, early 80s. And, you know, there was uh, – conservation movements beginning if you watch television you had like the life and times of grizzly adams and it was about this great nature thing and mutual omaha's wild kingdom jacques cousteau television specials Mm -hmm. uh and my dad loved to fish and loved to hunt lived in a lower middle income house my dad grew up dirt poor had a terrible upbringing 
but was determined that he was going to be completely polar opposite of that, you know. So yeah. he was bringing me out since I don't know how young. I remember my first fishing memory was probably about four that I remember. Mm-hmm. And, uh, man, we would just fish off the bank, you know. We would go buy a, one little, because usually we could afford one little box of shrimp, and you'd thaw it out in the water and let the paper come off of it and peel the shrimp out, you know, yep. and catch croaker and black drum. We'd go gar fishing for a later gar. Um, it was always out there, and one of my favorite memories is I would uh, sit in my dad's lap. We would make scrapbooks from outdoor life, sports and field, field and stream of all of our dream hunting and fishing and like wildlife excursion trips. And I still have some of those scrapbooks, yeah. man. And uh, we placed the pictures in there and and sit there and talk for hours about how I want to go hunt a bighorn sheep one day or how I want to go catch a bonefish or or whatever. And you know, and then you know, my dad in in instilled in me the uh, the idea of just taking what you need you know uh and stuff like that because my dad would sit there and pet a deer at the camp that walk around camp mm-hmm. that was the best one of the best deer hunters i knew you know so it was that side of it and then like i saw jaws and jaws made me want to get in the water like i wanted to go see jaws you know that's like polar opposite of what 99 percent of other people oh my dad to. tells he would go to mcfadden beach before Jaws and wade up to his neck, he said, and cast surf fishing. And Jaws came out, it was the knees, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, and, and somehow I ended up this weird hybrid of Captain Quint and the Richard Dreyfus <laughs> character, Mr. Hooper, you know? Uh, and so it was all those things together and just loving nature. And I remember going, uh, my dad had deer leases when I was real little, and then they really couldn't afford a deer lease for a while with the oil industry bust. And then they found a day lease in Lano, you know, and they went and they shot deer. And I was like intrigued because they took me deer hunting. But I never saw a deer. It was East Texas in the 80s, you know. And th- so we st- for Christmas one year, they took me on a day, a day lease in Lano. We turned off Highway 71 in Columbus and I saw a f- oat field, like 40 deer in it. That's f- four, 40 more deer than I'd seen in my life. I, yeah. thought I'd, I thought I'd entered the promised land and I got a doe on that trip. And I was so pumped. I, 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 we caped it out, and I saved my money and had it mounted because <laughs> it was such a big deal to me. So it's always been a big deal to be out in nature, hunting, fishing. I learned to shoot photos early on. You know, my dad did some photography and stuff. And uh, it's just been there with me no matter what. I mean, I've been in music. I've done a lot of other things in my life. But the outdoors has always been, like, my you know, the basis of my life, you know. I mean, I can't mm-hmm. imagine my life without something that swims or flies or slithers you know yeah yep and you uh you know getting into wildlife journalism and all this stuff that was kind of a unique start for you and you've told me this story several yeah, times man. but yeah that was crazy so you know you're at that crossroads of life in high school where you got to figure out what <laughs> you can do for a living i'm not fit for the culprit culture man and you can look at me and tell i'm not <laughs> it's not me and so I love to play music, you know. I, you know, I said, well, I can be able to be in a metal band. I'm decent at writing music, but I'm not a naturally inclined to. I have to work really hard to make it good. But I'm dang good at writing. I'm like, wonder if I could, like, somehow translate my writing into the outdoors. <laughs> yeah. And so I end up, my wa- girlfriend at the time, now my wife, her mom found him when I was a senior in high school, a clipping that said, write about hunting and win a lifetime hunting fishing combo license to Texas Parks and Wildlife. I entered this thing as a senior in high school and won a lifetime combo license. But more importantly, I won a career because I got to go to the Texas Wildlife Expo, the first of those events they had for like 10 or 15 years in Austin. 
Got to meet my now friend, Ted Nugent. I got to meet a lot of people in the outdoors industry. And I came back, and I won this thing, and I went to the local newspaper editor and said, you need to let me write an outdoors column for the newspaper. And, uh, and he was like, I can't, I'd love to have you, but I can't pay you. I said, I'm not a proven commodity. Fair enough. You know? So I wrote for free for about eight months, and another paper wanted me to pay me. Went to these guys I didn't want to, so I left and started syndicating a column. And it's kind of grown from there, man. It's by the grace of God, but I'm relentlessly pursuing the craft and trying to build this things up so it was a you know it was it was really cool because i think that was parks and wildlife's idea of instilling people at the time with their essay contest to get mm-hmm. to stay involved in hunting and fishing yep. well they got they not only got that with me they got like an advocate for it so yeah. that was kind of cool yep yep and uh um you know i don't know we we both work with youth a lot yeah and today it just seems you know like there's not a a lot of kids that will take that chance you know and and have that driver have access to it and and maybe derek maybe you hit on something with the idea of the access to that motivation uh you know i'm looking something like the opioid crisis right and how many people are sidelined because of that and you got what's going on behind the scenes with the kids parents and families yeah and the things that that make them think well life's not going to be good good things can't happen for me why should i try and um you know one thing which i know you try to do that with brigades and everything else let them know no you rise up and you do your best you give it your best things can happen in your life and so i just i remember making a very i was bullied and marginalized and went through hell in middle school high school wasn't real good but better early on and i made a decision when i was 15 a conscious decision that i was i was watching a metallica documentary uh and uh, and lars Ulrich from metallica says that hey we do what we want to do creatively and we don't care what people think and i went that's for me yeah and i went that moment something clicked in me and i started literally working on my career that week you know like writing like i'm gonna try to figure out how to work this and uh but you know not everyone maybe is a self-starter that way, but that's great where things like brigades, for example, give people that might be curious the training, the mechanism, the inspiration to do those kind of things, yeah. you know? So I love all that kind of stuff, and that's why you and I have a common bond on that. And uh, and it's just a really cool thing to get to do this. It's hard to make a living doing it, but it's uh, it's very gratifying, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and we don't do this for the money. Buddy, I could put in a whole <laughs> lot less hours somewhere else and make a whole lot more money. <laughs> but um, but I've got to experience things and, and meet things that I wouldn't. You know, like I said, I'm not qualified for the corporate office. They'd have me, they'd have me arrested or something. They couldn't handle. Yeah, it. you would think the two of us could figure out that volunteering doesn't pay financially. <laughs> no, but the back end of that is why we do it. You know, I mean, you see, you see the. <laughs> The successes and and the people that you know and that we've had an impact on, I have and that te- just makes you come back for more and more and more. It does, man. I have a text on my phone from a girl that's been in our program since basically we started it. She's been a little bitty kid. She's growing up now, and she's like, I'm, "We're driving down next month, and I don't care if we can see you and Miss Lisa for dinner. We're just coming to see you, you know." And mm-hmm. the fact that a kid that was troubled and dealt with stuff, and we did this animal encounter for you know eight years later. As yeah. a young woman now wants to connect with us, that makes it all worth it. Because look, I love accolades and all. That's wonderful. It's nice. Those are fun, good career builders, and I appreciate it. But um, having an impact on a person, inspiring them to let them know when hell on earth unleashes itself, that heaven's available. That's yeah. more important. 
Yep. Well, um, tell us a little about the ministry you got, got going on. Yeah, man. So, like, it's really interesting that, that it's kind of spread out now. It's done a lot of different things. But our mission is to bring the love of Christ to hurting children through wildlife encounters. Hurting children is defined as kids are abandoned, foster care, right? Uh, kids that are up for adoption. Kids that have terminal illness or have lost a parent or a sibling. That's kind of the domain, in, in, in domain that we work with. And we have a small zoological facility. You've been there. And yep. we have several species, like 40 species of exotic animals, smaller exotics. And we let them have these encounters with them. And you can take a kid that's been through the worst abuse. When I take my prairie dog bandit and put it in their lap and it crawls up and gives them a kiss, <laughs> they're a kid again. And that's what it's about, man. And then we're trying to mentor some of these kids to do conservation work. And we got to take a young lady on a desert bighorn capture with Texas yep, Parks. I remember this. Yeah. Dude, and I'm freaking out. I've always wanted to, my whole career I've wanted to do one of these. And like, we went out there. It was like, holy smokes, this is awesome. And they're, they're coming off Elephant Mountain out there with, with helicopters and bringing the sheep down. And she got to put the GPS collar on the big ram of the day. And they were so gracious to us. And... um and it's important, man, because it's letting kids know there's hope. Mm-hmm. And our world seems pretty hopeless, and you don't know who's about to put a gun up their, in their mouth because yep. it's, it's happening every day. The highest suicide rate growth is 11 to 14-year-olds, and the rest and the highest rate altogether is veterans, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when you, when you can instill hope with something, it's very humbling that me and Lisa get to do this, and, and we love doing it, man. And the fact that we get to integrate it with wildlife is, like, so cool. Yeah. It's awesome. And I've always enjoyed hearing those stories from you about what you've done this month or yeah. what you got coming up. I mean, you've done some cool stuff at, like, yeah. SeaWorld and with, like, Jack Hannon Dude, and all these, so you know, all these other things. Yeah, and, man. Uh, man, I mean, that's just so cool to be able to bring that to these kids. Yeah, sitting there with Jack Hanna, who we thought was going to come out for a photo op with the kids and hung out for like an hour, getting his trainers to bring the animals to the kids. Priceless, man. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's crazy. So, good stuff. Good stuff, stuff, my friend. Yep. So, but, um, you know, you mentioned you got the radio show, and the podcast world's exploded, and you are covering all kinds of great stuff on your current shows. Yeah. And um, you've got another one starting, coming out now with Dark Outdoors, right? Yeah, we're going to be doing an outgrowth of what we're doing at Higher Calling Wildlife. We're starting off with a series of Higher Calling Wildlife, then we're branching out to another podcast eventually. And uh, the idea is, someone asked me at a seminar, hey, Chester, what's the most dangerous thing in the woods? And they're expecting me to say a bear or a boar or a rattlesnake. And I said, people. Mm-hmm. And the room just like, hush. And I started telling some stories of my life, like getting chased off a mountain by drug runners, undoubtedly what they were in Northern California, um, finding meth labs. Somebody asked me, did you see the meth? No, I didn't go in and knock at the door, you idiot. <laughs> but I went, I, you know, it doesn't take a genius. It's either Jason Voorhees Shack from Friday the 13th <laughs> Part 2, or it's a meth lab, and I'd rather find Jason. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, I can outsmart him. But, uh, the idea of raising awareness to human dangers in the woods and on the water. And, and when I, I did a radio show on this, and the phone lines lit up with calls of stories. And I'm like, we're on to something here, you right. know. So uh, it's not one of those true crime things where we're hovering over the gore and trying to glorify sicko serial killers. 
uh, it's raising awareness and letting people know that sometimes bad people with bad intentions are in the woods and on the mm-hmm. water, and, and you know maybe we need to find a better way to be safe. You know. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, when I hunt public land, you know, a lot of times it's over in East Texas, and I'm not giving East Texas bad rap. I mean, there's there's always been stories about you know lots of drugs and stuff over there. A lot That's of where I found my two meth labs and that thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, you know, situational awareness is key yeah. and you always got to keep your guard up, especially if you're by yourself. And I don't ever recommend going out alone. No, you know, here's the thing, Derek, land. I've got public areas that I used to go to. I refuse to go to now yeah. because of criminal activity. And my, one of my real concerns is little, a little beautiful, little Susie, the 28 year old mom, single mom moves in from Austin. She moves out to East Texas somewhere going to take her kids out to the big thicket to hike yep. has no paradigm of like you know no idea her paradigm is so different of what could happen and to let people know that not everybody out in the woods is there to help you mm-hmm. and one of the things i thought about that a friend of mine is hunting in utah a number of years back he is way off trail in the, in the national forest bow hunting mule deer in the early season and he finds a tree carving ted bundy 1971 <laughs> yeah, you've told me this story before. It's the pretty, year, the year Bundy had killed, got busted for killing eight women in Utah, and hid out in that forest. And you got to ask Ted. We we know him as a demon possessed, crazy looking guy now. But if you really look at him, you don't look in the eyes and don't know the history. You think he's just a normal guy hiking mm-hmm. in the woods. So if you're out off trail somewhere and you see a guy, you might just want to have enough check. To go, you know what, I need, to, I need to be ready to defend myself and be smart about what I'm doing. You know what I mean? I don't want anyone to get hurt. I want people to be, you know, safe out there and enjoy it. But it's, 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 it, to me, it's, uh, it's about making people aware. Because it's going, I mean, right here in Florida, I had a Sheriff Grady Judd from uh, Polk County here on last year. And, and there was a, a murder, of, you know, like three fishermen got murdered here mm. in, um, in, in Florida. Off a road near, uh, south, you know, south of Lakeland. Yep. So um, <clears throat> it's making people aware. And talking about a topic that's pretty fascinating, you know. Yeah, and I've heard the story about you and your dad out there on uh, Murder Mountain. Murder Mountain. Which you did not know about before you went. I didn't know about Murder Mountain until <laughs> like 17 years after I was on Murder Mountain, you know. We were on this mountain in California. In California, I just did my great white cage dive. Me and dad took off for like two days to go see the redwoods and look around. I had some night vision goggles I brought from home. We're on top of the mountain, the, the elk up there, which I believe are tule elk subspecies, are, mm-hmm. are, are breagling. We go to this mountainside. We're out there. just turned dark. See a light. I mean, I, I, I'm looking down in the valley, and I see a light. And I take my night goggles off. I said, Dad, there's something with the light down there. He goes, I don't see a light. I said, well, I don't see it either. Put on my night goggles, see the light again. I said, Dad, there's a light. He goes, there's no light. I said, I don't see it either. Put on my <laughs> night vision. I go, oh, my God, because I clicked with me. There are infrared lights only see with night vision on. Right. Somebody's <laughs> got infrared lights, and they're not looking for critters. I just knew, because I knew there was some drug trade out there, but I had no idea of the scale. Yeah. So we throw all our crap in the rental, take off, and as soon as we literally turn the lights on, about a half mile across the road on the mountain from us, lights turned on, and they, they were just right behind us. They were trying to ram us. Literally, I'm going 70-plus miles an hour down the mountain, and uh, I was... My, I guarantee you, uh, they didn't check the steering wheel of the rental because I probably got an imprint, <laughs> and my dad has probably got some kind well, of thing. He didn't break it off. <laughs> yeah, man, it was scary. And they turned around when we left. They turned around, shot back up, and we got out of there. And I called the Forest Service, and they were like, "You definitely ran into drug pushers." 
You're lucky you made it out alive. I said, well, thank you for the, you know, update. <laughs> made some signs. Drug runners. Don't go in the mouth. So I'm at the National Wild Turkey Federation show and visited with you there that year, yeah. uh, two years ago now. And uh, I'm talking to a, a Forest Service game warden. He said he used to work in Humboldt County, California. I said, I had an incident there. He looked at me very sternly. He goes, you're surprised you didn't get killed. He goes, go watch Murder Mountain. I said, what the heck is Murder Mountain? He goes, that's where you were. It's a Netflix series. Now, we weren't literally on the Murder Mountain. We're like three or four miles from it. <laughs> and, and literally in an area where there are more missing people in America than any other place. Mm. So uh, that stuff's everywhere, and we got to be safe and cautious. And I'll, But it's like I have weird stuff like that happen to me, though, you know. <laughs> but I'm always off in weird areas, too, though. Like True. I'm, I'm out in the middle of nowhere, and sometimes strange things happen. Yeah. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Yep, just pay attention. Yeah, pay attention. Pay attention. Situational awareness, like you said. Yeah, it's uh, it can get crazy out there. I've ran into some interesting people, and I've met some really cool people out in the no, woods I that too, we've man. gotten to know. And and uh, it was so funny because uh, a real quick story about hunting. Um, we were turkey hunting last year, me and my buddy Terrence Jackson, mm-hmm. and uh, um, <laughs> we were out hunting. You know, this coronavirus got a lot of new people into the sport. And so we come out of the woods, and I see a car parked out, you know, close to ours, and and I wasn't really worried about it. You know, I seen some people up there. Um, we walk out, say, "Hey, what's up?" We were planning on just camping there, mm-hmm. and um, so we got talked to them, and they were cool. There wasn't nothing weird going on. Um, they just kind of hunted. Found out they just got into hunting, mm-hmm. and uh, never been turkey hunting before and we're sitting there and i was like hey i'm gonna cook dinner y'all want y'all want to join us might as well so we're sitting there chit-chatting and we're like well how did you decide to go turkey hunting right and uh they're like oh yeah well we've seen a bunch of stuff on tv and we actually watched a video and they were like i think it was a parks and wildlife video of somebody hunting over here in east texas Mm -hmm. and my jaw just dropped i was trying not to laugh because I knew the exact video they were referencing because it was on Terrence. <laughs> really? <laughs> That's hilarious. And so I was like, you know, did it have this guy on it, you know, Terrence or whatever? And Terrence just chuckling. If you know oh, yeah. Terrence, yeah. he's just chuckling. And and uh, I'm sure he'll listen to this and get a kick out of it. But uh, and, and I was like, well, you know, the guy you watch is this guy right here. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. And so we had a great time, That's you know, met stuff, those man. guys and, and cool. hung out on talked all night. And uh, um, hopefully they were uh, sucked in and got the bug and, and we'll keep doing it. Because that's one of the things that and we've talked, talked to several people about it here and, and before this year is, you know, we got all these just millions of new people into the sport across the country. And um, it's raining now mm-hmm. <laughs> in Florida. And uh, how are we going to keep them? Yeah. You know, how do we retain that? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, I think part of that is education, but also the proper inspiration to keep them going when they strike out, when things don't work out, you know, yeah. and keep them motivated. And I think it's up to the people who are veterans in the industry to uh, mentor, you know, and not to mean to take them hunting all the time, but keep them information, you know, pointers, mm-hmm. help them out, man. And uh, 
you know, a lot of them will fall out, but if we can net gain a few million, yeah. that's a big plus. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Especially all the money that that comes back with those to the states to provide research and stuff. You know, so it's important. All important. Yeah, it's you huge. Know, buy a hunting fishing license. Yeah, man. I mean, like, there's work being done right now. Like, you know, I do a lot of stuff with wild sheep, and uh, you know, hunters pay for almost everything done with sheep conservation. Uh, mm-hmm. The Wild Sheep Foundation alone pays for like forty percent out of its auctions and things they do. And, you know, it's getting to the level now where you think about, like, the drought in the West. The big thing's concerning me right now is the yeah, drought. It's bad. It's really scary. Because I've been out West, and it's frightening. We've been out West a couple of times lately. And, I mean, when you have in Nevada, you know, they have these guzzlers set up, not only for sheep but other wildlife to collect water from the dew and rain and everything. They're having to fly water in and drop it in the guzzlers mm. in Nevada right now. So... Uh, that money that people spend on licenses, excise taxes, and also groups like the Wild Sheep Foundation, National Wild Turkey Center, Dicks Unlimited, CCA, Bonefish and Tarpon, just all these great groups help all those wonderful resources stay intact, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and uh, it's more important now than ever yeah, to sure. get out and get involved with these groups. For sure, man. And, uh, you know, our probably our biggest thing in common is our love for turkeys dude and uh love them man those little wily boogers they uh they eluded me this year they eluded uh, me this year too i didn't get a lot of time to hunt this year i was guiding several people and and got my daughter out on on a successful hunt we didn't harvest bird but we had a successful hunt seeing a bird and stuff and uh um man i just it's crazy those birds drive me crazy, and they're so damn addictive. They they really are because <laughs> it's the most interactive hunt ever. Yeah. Right? You know, you can, you can use a grunt call or rattle and get a buck to come in. You can call a duck. But a duck call, usually, you got 30 seconds to call on anything. You might have the whole day on a turkey. Yeah. You know, and that gobbler finally decides to peek his head out. And the idea of an animal with that precise of hearing and that precise of vision is so amazing and inspiring to go after you know and you think about uh there's no more american you know first thanksgiving right you got mm-hmm. wild turkeys that wasn't that wasn't pilgrim's pride folks that was a that wasn't a butterball that was an eastern turkey and um so the idea of that bird and the challenge of it and being out in the spring a beautiful time of year the interactive nature and the fact that you can have a gobbler working you perfectly well and one freaking hen calls out and it's over yeah, it's gone. It's over. So, yeah. He's going to the promised land. That's it. And it yeah, that promised land. I'm wanting to send him to the other promised land, and they're going to that promised land. Send him to the skillet. Exactly, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll never forget the first turkey I shot, but, uh, you know, and that's the only thing my wife has ever wanted to go hunt after really? going hunting with me and really? seeing and witnessing yep. the dance, yep. you know, that they do. Oh, yeah. And she was just like, looked at me, he's like, I think I could shoot a turkey. That's cool. And uh, so, by gosh, she did the next year. Oh, that's awesome. So, my but. daughter thought when I brought, I killed my last turkey shot was in New York two years ago, and it was an Eastern bird, my first Eastern, and uh, we who brought it you, home. Who are you with, by the way? I was with Mr. Lou Marillo, uh, the guy <laughs> that I brought to your podcast event. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my good friend, also, you know, Eric Adams of Man of War. Yeah. That's how I met him. And if you listen to Derek's podcast on it, it was really cool. So, we were out with him. He's a great turkey caller. And we get this bird to come in. Well, I kill it, and Lisa chicken fries the breast, you know, and it's really good that way. My daughter's like devouring it. She's not a big eater. You've seen her. She doesn't have, like, one ounce of body fat, right? She's eating it. She goes, Dad, this is the best chicken I've ever had. <laughs> I'm like, Faith, it is not a chicken. It's a turkey. She goes, you're lying to me. It's a chicken. 
And I kept going on about being turkey. And, she, and, and, and you know, she goes, yeah, right. It's like a week later she comes up. She goes, Dad, I want you to go back and kill another turkey because I need to eat some more of that really awesome chicken. You know, so that's that's my daughter. Yeah. Yeah. Everything I cook is is uh, fish sticks. Fish sticks? To my kids. There so when are we having fish sticks again? It's like some more fish sticks. Yeah, well, uh, we're out of Gordon's, but how about some uh, fresh mahi or some redfish? Dude, mahi, that makes me hungry. I haven't had mahi in a while. <laughs> so, Man, I love mahi. Ah, oh, yeah. awesome stuff. So, well, um, let's talk about the event we did this spring real quick. You, yeah, know, we, uh, you know, I talked to you about that. Golly, you probably brought it up at the turkey convention. I don't remember if we were kind of talk talking about, about it. You did an yeah. idea I had. Yeah. And, and um, what did you think of that? You know, the podcast event was incredible. I like the idea of bringing people together that are kind of diverse interests in the, in the media world. And it was really cool because you got guys like me that have been in the outdoor media world for a long time. And I'm relatively young. I mean, yep. you know, but comparatively, you got 20-something-year-old guys. You know, they're really young, you know. Really young, yeah. And then you've got, uh, you know, the guests like Lou came in and stuff like that. And I like the idea that we all have these diverse interests, but we all have things that could complement each other, you know. Mm-hmm. And I really like that, you know, uh, the idea of uh, that, you know, I had stuff on sheep and, you know, and Hayden and those guys had, and Turner had things on sheep. And yeah. then we all had the turkey interest. And, you know, you had Lou with his incredible bow hunting knowledge and Paul wanting to learn more about that. He's a big Man of War fan. So yeah, yeah. everything seemed to work together, and but it, it all benefited everyone, you know, and the, and the ranch was a lot of fun and no one killed a turkey. Uh, but... That's to me. That was the beauty of it. Not that we didn't kill a turkey. That we all left smiling, yep. even though we didn't get an animal. Yeah. You know, except there was a rattlesnake killed. I know. I'm there aware was of one rattlesnake. There was a rattlesnake, and a I little ca- too close to camp. Yeah, he got whacked. And um, but other than that, the fact we all left smiling shows that there was some great unity there, and that we're already working together, all of us in different ways, doing different. I ran into the uh, the Captain Experiences yeah, guys here. Yeah, Jonathan Madison. Yep. Yeah, right and talking to them. So. Um, it was a wonderful – I salute you for doing that, man, because I know that was a heck of an undertaking. Derek does great events. The food was incredible. And seeing my Yankee friend eat crawfish cooked the proper way. I thought I took down a rock god you thought, this yeah, weekend. Yeah, he comes crawfish. in like running in looking for milk, you know, to drink yeah, yeah. in the kitchen. And, like, and the Oklahoma guy came Todd, in looking for oh, milk. Man, yeah. And I'm sitting there just you – know, yeah, like, Let's know, go, baby. Like, it's not hot, really. No, it's not that all. bad, uh, man. But that was a ton of fun. I salute you for that, Derek. That was yeah. amazing. Thanks for well, me, uh, thanks for letting me be a part of yeah, it. Yeah, man. And we're working on next year. I mean, we're getting ready to finalize the dates for 2022, and uh, hopefully you can be up there with us. Yeah, and, man. Uh, I'm available. Um, I will be. Yeah. And uh, I know Lou's wanting to come back. Yeah. And uh, I know they've got some Man War dates for next year already, so i got to look and see if those are going to conflict with, with the schedule or not. But uh, hopefully it'll work out. But, um, you know, and, and I think this whole podcast thing, man, there's so many. I mean, there's just... It's a glutton. It seems like billions of them. At least. You know, and, and I didn't know what the heck I was thinking when I started, you know, how it would go, go, you know, if anybody would even listen to it. Sure. You know, and I'm sure you had same thoughts, you know, yeah, starting it's an, it's a new a, venture. And it's an already crowded market, you know, and it's like, how do I... But I just ended up doing what I do. Yeah. You know? Something different, you know, and... and uh, and I don't know. People listen. Yep. I mean, there's no telling how many people listen to this one. So, um, but it's been cool to see to see it grow and see your shows grow and mm-hmm. stuff. And uh, um, I can't wait to see what the future has because 
I plan on keep continue doing it. Yeah, me too, man. And uh, I love your podcast. I listen when I get a chance. And the idea of being able to go into the minutia of an, of a topic is what's fascinating to me. Not having five seconds, yeah, twenty seconds on a radio show, yeah, or yeah, whatever. yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I do radio too, and I still love it. But um, you know, that time will be limited in my life. I know that I'm going to walk away from radio at some point and just do podcasting. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but the idea of going into like um, you know, the ultimate tiny detail of something. It was what really turns people on about podcasting. You know, you can find that out, and there's li- no limits, and uh, yep. and that's that's fun, that's appealing, and I, I loved. I just did a series on flats fishing, so we had uh, Dr. Aaron uh, Adams with the Bonefish and Tarpon Trust talking about permit. I had Brian Barrera, Captain Brian Barrera from mm-hmm. Texas on tarpon. I had Captain Mo Estevez from Biscayne Bay on bonefish, and man, I had a ball, and it's 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 reinvigorated my love of broadcasting. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And 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 finding guests that want to be on, I thought would be the hardest thing in the world. But people want to do them because they get to share their message and their yeah, thoughts. And exactly, and um, and you can do them anytime, anywhere. Yeah, you know? I mean, you were sitting here in this lobby here. It's raining outside, and we're just sitting here having a you know a killer time and talking about this on a podcast, talking about podcasting on a podcast. You yeah, know? yeah. And but it's it's the reflection of a passion for the outdoors. Yeah, that we all have. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, through your career, mm-hmm. you have told me so many stories. Um, you've got to meet a lot of freaking cool people. Yeah, I'm very blessed, man. You know, I mean, the Nuge. I've known Ted since I was 20. Yeah, and uh, we were turkey hunting together uh, three years ago or something, and we're sitting out in the woods, and you're like, you're over there texting. Like, what are you doing? It's like, oh, I'm texting Ted. Yeah. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Ted. Uh, Nugent. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And he responds back, and I'm just like, holy crap. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, you know, Lou. uh, Yeah, man. I am so blessed and so glad that I got to meet him. He's a wonderful guy, He is an incredible person. He really is, man. So a... I mean, non-typical what you'd expect uh, sure. a rock and roll legend to be. Yep. You know, so personable. Yeah, he's a great. Down to earth. Man, they send my daughter Christmas presents every year. I it's mean, they're just, just a wonderful insane, family. man. Yeah, and uh, hopefully one day maybe I can go up there and hunt with him. Yep. That would be awesome. Let's go. Let's so go do it. that would be a, a big treat. We have to and go then. and go fishing at the same time. Lou doesn't like to fish. we got to go bring our own gear and slaughter the smallmouth. Trout and oh, salmon. Oh man, just tell me. Yeah, let's do it. And uh, I know we've already talked about going to Bozeman next year. Oh, that's gonna so, happen. Yeah, I'm yeah. I, I did Bozeman solo this year. I went and met with the Sheep Foundation and about just in, you know and in, in finding ways I can help in my media outlets and things to just, you know for yeah. them and and Gray Thornton and, and Sydney brought away my friends up there. Uh, that was awesome and seeing their beautiful headquarters and going out and photographing. Because my goal is to photograph sheep in every state and province. Mm-hmm. In a decade, yeah. You know, Hopefully, you get up to Oklahoma. You hadn't. Have you got one in Oklahoma yet? No, we're, I got. I got the contact through through uh, Todd, Todd yeah. and I'm going to do it this fall uh, yeah. through a rancher uh, up there. And uh, I've got Montana this year, and um, we're going to see what happens in some other states. But I went back to Colorado, and I did, I've already gotten Colorado. But I mean, we we found four megarams all in one bunch, and I got the most exciting photos I've ever taken in my entire career of outdoors. And we're going to be debuting them in a very special article soon at HigherCalling.net. Mm-hmm. It was one of those moments I wanted to weep. It was so beautiful seeing it happen, you know. Mm-hmm. We got Plus, we saw lambs everywhere. Uh, and my wife loves moose. She got to go photograph them. Lisa got to go photograph moose. <laughs> and uh, we were trout fishing. And uh, it was cool. Like, I love Texas and all, brother. But if I had the cash, 
If someone listening right now has the cash to move me and my wife and family to Estes Park, Colorado, <laughs> or want to give us a cabin there, we are down. We are totally down with this, okay? I just want to let you know this. Just let that information be out there. <laughs> Maybe somebody's <laughs> listening. Hey, dude, I'll do this. Like Somebody's going to call me one day. And like, my friend goes, you know, somebody's going to call you one day. I'm like, hey, good. But uh, yeah, I love the Mountain West. Yeah. I really do, man. And um, it's it's a beautiful place. It's it's a lot to explore. I love Texas, of course. I love Florida a lot. And the idea that the little boy in the lower middle income house from Orange, Texas, is sat on his dad's lap and would cut out pictures in a scrapbook and dream of catching a bonefish, caught a bonefish, or was seeing bighorns. It it that's my endless motivation because I want other little boys and other little girls to have that chance to see that happen here in our great country where this is still a possibility. Mm-hmm. And things like brigades, things like our mentorship program and higher calling wildlife, uh, those kind of things can are making that happen. And that's what's so important because as much as I love sitting there and seeing those sheep or on that flat with the bone fisher, man, in Sabine Lake when the fall flounder runs going, all that stuff I love so much, I, I would give it all up, which I don't have to, but I would give it up if I had to, to help those kids be able to make that connection. Because what it does, it's enriched my life so much. And I know some of the ones facing special challenges need that life enrichment, and there's no better place to find it in the outdoors. Yep, I agree 100%. Yep. So, and hopefully we can continue helping people get there. Yep. And provide that access to them. You know, not just us, but mm-hmm. the the... The community. I mean, hunting, fishing. It's yep. fam- I mean, it's a bond that all of us in this share. Sure. You know, somebody was at a at a um, a meeting yesterday where somebody was giving a lecture, and and uh, they that's one of the things they said. You know, they kept reiterating. He's like, "We're all family." Yep. You know, I mean, every, we have this common bond, this thread of loving the outdoors, whether mm-hmm. it's fishing, hunting, taking pictures, whatever. Whatever it is, you man. know, it's common ground, and uh, which is lacking in society today. Uh, it's there, but people just don't want to see it. So Yeah, and, and there's that great place we can all join up, man, whether it's in the bay, yep. in the mountains, in the forest, wherever it is, calling a turkey, sitting at a deer stand. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah, you said something when we was up at, at Gene's place, you know, if, uh, if it doesn't get you excited hearing that turkey say, you're already dead. <laughs> yeah, you're dead. <laughs> and I really stand by the statement I open my radio show with often, if you don't like the outdoors, you're weird. Uh, it does. You don't have to like hunting and fishing. You don't have to like mountain climbing or whatever, but if you don't like at least seeing a beautiful view over the ocean of the sun rising or watching mallards light in the marsh, if that does it, or seeing elk clash antlers, you're you're weird. You can't help. You. There's no there's no therapy for that. You know? Yep, yep, for sure. I put that on Facebook one day, and somebody got out of. They went <laughs> off on a fill. They went nuts, which made me want to double down. Of course, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I know. Um, you know, talked about your dad and how big an inspiration he was for you and how much you guys got to do together. But you also got to do some stuff in return for him, you know, before yeah, he man. passed and stuff. And you told me one story about his hog hunt. Oh, my God. Which, <laughs> which story are we going with? You know, well, I guess, the, I guess the one where uh, you made a phone call to... Oh, that particular hog Uncle hunt. Ted. Yeah. So, <laughs> me and... So, I'm on this ranch filming with Ted in, like, 2000. And uh, I was filming a little bit of TV shows back then. And I was driving Lisa's truck that was in her name, right? Uh, and so Ted wrecks it. He 
rams it into backing up, not paying attention, into the cattle guard on the rancher thing because he can't hear much because he's a freaking rock star. He don't hear the what? grinding. He's trying to back up, and it's like tearing his whole defender. <laughs> so he looks at me. When I see it happens, he goes, I'll pay for that. I said, no, you will. You got a lot more money than I got. <laughs> and so we go off. We do our thing, right? And uh, by the way, we, we go through this tornadic thunderstorm. We got to turn back around and go, no, nah, we'll make it through here. <laughs> There's this mega, like, cell of, you know, it was a historic tornado that came through, and we, with Ted Nugent <laughs> driving on the road. So he calls me when he gets home from the trip and says, hey, man, let's settle up on that. I said, man, I got a guy at the shop. He said he can repair that for about as much as you would insurance. So I would rather do. My dad has never hunted with you. Um, could my dad maybe connect with you on one of your hunts? He goes, tell you what. Let your dad come up to my ranch in Michigan, kill a pure Russian boar, and you come kill one too. So we drove to Michigan, me and my dad and Lisa, and we pulled a trailer, hauled the meat back and everything, because that's what we're going to do. And we went and hunted his Sunrise Acres Ranch, and here's the coolest part. People never see this about Ted Nugent. Um, You can say what you want about him, and there's plenty to say, but he had a flight to Texas that day. He changed his flight to be able to meet my dad at the ranch and personally have coffee waiting for him and walk my dad out to his stand and put my dad on the stand. Then he walked, got in his truck, and drove to the airport. Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty, pretty that was, special. I'll never forget it. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Man. So my dad has all kinds, several hog adventures. I'm like, which one's he talking about? <laughs> He's talking about the time we're walking through the brush, me and my cousin, my dad, and this, and this boar comes running. Me and I, my, I go up one tree. My co- my cousin goes up the other. My dad goes, "Huh?" And the hog runs right past him. <laughs> man, them dang pigs are scary, man. I've there I've been is. run off a path by a whole sounder of pigs Ooh, that we uh, spooked. They Yikes. were they were they were sleeping, I guess. And wow. We uh we heard something. I'll never forget that morning. It was before daylight. Yep. And we were trying to sneak in to go pig hunting. Yep. And we were up on the dam of this pond and uh, walking around the road try to get down close to where i thought they would come out at and we got to the corner of the dam there was some cedar thicket there mm-hmm. and i was just like i've never heard that noise before it was really weird yeah and um i was like what is it and so we just stopped and man we were like carrying our chairs yeah got our rifles mm-hmm. you know we were gonna do some dove hunting so we had our shotguns in the bags oh, yeah. i mean we had it was way too much crap to be carrying but anyway we were young and stupid but uh so we were going there and, I'm, and we were just like what is that noise? You know, and I mean, all of a sudden, I just heard them. And they were literally like 20 yards from us in the Yikes. trees, and we didn't know they were there. Yikes. And they all came, and they all ran right to us. Wow. And I'm in front of my buddy yep. holding all this crap, and I just froze. Yeah. And they, they ran by me. They weren't trying to attack me, but they scared the mm-hmm. you-know-what out of me. Absolutely. And, I mean, there was probably 15 of them or so. Wow. And... They go by, and I turn around, and my buddy's down here hiding in the bushes. <laughs> he just left me there. <laughs> he could have just pushed me out of the way or whatever. Was but this Lumarillo summit point because he's had similar <laughs> reactions to hogs? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. But, uh, you know, you got to be careful, you know. Those pigs are uh, – and we get more. I mean, you kill one, ten more show up, seems like, lately. So our uh, our deer lease is just – it's it's really scary how yep. many are there. I mean, you got we got cameras everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we got multiple sounders, you know, all mm-hmm. of our ranch, and we're only hunting like five hundred acres. Yeah, I have an article right now in um, in Houston Safari Club, uh, Hunter's Horn Magazine, and it's uh, called a fighting sh- fighting back against hog attacks. 
talking about a hog attack victim that I interviewed recently from Sam Rayburn. He survived mm-hmm. the hog attack. The lady that got killed in Anahuac last year. Yeah, It's going to grow. It's going to happen a lot more often. More people, more hogs. But the only solution to hogs is local. You know, it's pounding them at a local level and thing. And the problem we got now, we've almost reached this critical mass to where it's like a population bomb has exploded, you know. Yeah. So people, we, even hunters used to hogs have to start thinking more as you're going to your stand. I could run into hogs. What am I going to do? Right. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, hopefully we're not getting locked in here, but uh, we'll, we'll break our way out. But, uh, Flamethrowers, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, so, but, uh, well, have you got um, um, any more uh, trips coming up soon, or what do you got coming up on the this horizon? Is, this is it for right now. Uh, I'm going to be home working a lot on our ministry work and that kind of stuff. I've got some kids we're going to be working with. That's kind of my goal for the next few months. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to try to get to Colorado before the end of the year. Hopefully we get to go do that. But other than, yeah. other than that, uh, kind of gearing up for next year. Yeah, uh, I have to base this around money I raise and different funds and things like that. So yeah. kind of maxed out this year, doing lots of fishing and stuff at home, uh, doing a little deer hunting, uh, getting ready. I've got to figure <laughs> out how to get, where I'm going turkey hunt next year. Yeah, uh, that kind of stuff, and spend a lot of time working on the on the content, you know, and part of it. Yeah, cool. Well, um, why don't you let everybody know where they can follow you at and. You know, if uh, if you are so inclined to help support some of the work you're doing through the ministry and stuff, where people can help out. I appreciate that opportunity. So if they want to support our ministry and make donations, it's a 501c3 nonprofit, uh, kingdomzoo.com. That's kingdom, like wild kingdom, zoo.com. Uh, you can see our ministry work there at the Chester Moore on, on Instagram, Chester Moore on Facebook. Um, and find me at Fish Texas Fishing Game, fishgame.com. And um, all around various publications, all over the place, man. Yep. Well, yep. awesome, dude. Well, I'm glad we finally got to do this. Yeah. Yeah, it was it's awesome. Been, Thank uh, you. been a lot of fun, thanks and uh, thanks for being on the show. Yeah. And um, I imagine we will do another one at some point. Let's do it, man. So we're getting we're getting ran out of here. We yeah. we closed the place down, yeah, folks. So. so all right, Chester. Well, thanks for being on, buddy. All right. Thank you, all buddy. Right. Appreciate it. Yep.
on Mondays. Head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! Oh! Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.